You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Amen. Thank you, worship team. What a blessing that was to sing over us and sing together as a church. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Cameron Stutters, and uh, I'm your guest speaker here today. Uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, for those of you I, I know, it's great to see you. And for the faces I don't yet know, nice to, to meet you and to be here uh, worshiping with you this morning. Uh, well, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a, a licensed pastor with the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, but working full-time as a pastor is not my primary gig. I'm full-time in the marketplace, uh, and my wife and I and two other families, the Geislingers and the Chungs, we, we lead a ministry initiative, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, but I put a picture up here because it's been a number of years since I might have seen you. Uh, and so my wife, Lee, my oldest, Shay, who's 12, my daughter, Misha, who's 10, and our twin boys, who are seven. So a nice, nice family photo there. Uh, man, kids, kids grow quickly, don't they? They do. Um, so a little bit about what we've been up to in a, in a ministry sense is uh, we've been leading a community called Lighthouse Communities. And we've got a, a little photo here of some of the stuff that we've been up to. Our vision is to, to be Jesus in the neighborhood. Our vision is to practice faith in a household setting uh, and just invite people to experience the light of Christ for themselves uh, and do it in, in a way that's in a, a non-traditional setting uh, and allow people to come and uh, experience faith. So we, we rotate homes uh, and we just invite people to our backyard for a brunch and Bible study on a Sunday. And uh, we have a few discipling groups that we work through with people and uh, continue to, to live out our calling as Christians to share the light uh, with others. So um, let's transition from there. Um, have you guys seen the photos that are coming out of the James Webb Space Telescope? I mean, these photos are amazing absolutely amazing. So this, this photo is described as the cosmic cliffs. And this is an area that is about 7,600 light years away. I mean, that's, that's far. It's like driving as fast as you possibly can and more at the speed of light, 7,600 years to get to this area. And, and the astronomers, they describe it as like a, a region where stars are being born uh, and some amazing new discoveries are happening. Uh, so a little bit about the James Webb Telescope. It's six times more capacity than the previous Hubble Space Telescope. Uh, which allows us to see more detail than we've ever seen before. So we can see farther into space, uh, and we can see galaxies and stars with more detail than ever before. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. So, you know, when I see these images uh, come out, and I see NASA sharing these details, I just think, man, what a, an amazing case for intelligent design. And I think Psalm 19, verse 1, 
The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Amazing. Well, this summer, MCA Church, you're in a sermon series called What Makes You Sing? What Makes Me Sing? What Makes Us Sing as a Church? And we're talking about the attributes of God. And so this morning, I want to look at creation as something that makes us sing. Creation is amazing. Like these stars in the sky that we have just tipped, we just know the tip of the iceberg about, the mysteries of the universe. And then on the other side of the spectrum, if we zoom in and just look on the microscopic level, the, the unknown physics of quantum physics and the microscopic level, the intricacies involved there are amazing. But not just that, it's walking around creation. It's seeing a beautiful sunset in the prairies. It's going for a hike in the mountains and being in the forest and being in nature. It's being at a tropical destination and and putting your feet in the water and just soaking in the beach and the ocean waves. Creation makes my heart sing. And it makes my heart sing because it's this giant universe, this amazing, big, powerful God who made all this and who at the same time is intimate and personal and with us. Creation makes me sing. This morning, I hope to make your heart sing as we dig into some truth about creation. But first, let's take a minute to pray. Heavenly Father, you are the creator God, and what an amazing God that you are, who set the stars in the sky and keeps everything in balance, and you made us intricate. And Lord, you are a good God, a God who loves us and cares for us. So this morning, Lord, we just ask that you would be with us, that you'd reveal your truth to us, that you'd help us see you for who you are, Jesus. We just commit this time to you. Amen. Just a technical thing. Is there something I should be doing on the microphone here? There's a lot of, I'm looking at Marv. Did I get it? I'll just keep going. Pull it away. Yeah, too close. There we go. There we go. A little bit better. All right. Well, we'll try. All right, so this morning I, I want to kind of unpack a bit of a, a theology of creation. And I want to do this because creation is often a, a neglected aspect of our Christian faith, and it's often a neglected aspect in our Christian discipleship that we don't talk enough about. So I'm going to look at four windows this morning to kind of give us a biblical view of creation and our role in that. Uh, so the first window I want to open and look through is just this idea of creation as a temple. Genesis 1-1 starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, throughout human history, really for all of time, humans have made temples. In cultural anthropology, we see how civilizations and cultures, they make a temple to kind of house their God, and then they put an image of that God in that temple as a kind of a sign of, of worshiping that God. 
Well, in the story of Israel, we also see temple building. Of course, in the Davidic kingdom, uh, King David and then Solomon, they build the temple as, as a meeting place, as a place to meet with God. And before that, as Israel, the nation of Israel is wandering through the desert, they have the tabernacle, a place of meeting where they can meet with God. You know, in, in ancient cultures, in the ancient Near East, this is an area that's modern-day Turkey and Iraq and Syria and Israel. Uh, this is really the cradle of civilization where the earliest known cities are found. In that time and in that day, 4,000, 5,000 BC, there was creation narratives floating around. And, and the Bible, the book of Genesis, the creation narrative speaks into that time with a unique and different perspective. Genesis presents a different story. In Genesis 1 and 2, we see God creating order so that life can flourish. Genesis 1 has a poetic structure to it. In days 1 to 3, God brings form and God brings structure. In days 4 to 6, God fills, God teams, and everything is overflowing with life. On day six, God creates humans as the very pinnacle of his creative work. And then on day seven of creation, it says God rests from his work. Theologians say another way of looking at this is that God settles in to his creation God fills all of creation. Now, the interesting part to me is that when we look at this creation narrative, we start to see little clues of temple construction language. In verse 14, when it talks about God setting the, the sun and the moon to kind of to, um, be the two lights to govern the earth, the word here for sun and moon is the same word that is used in the sanctuary light in the tabernacle construction. These are clues about a temple being built. Genesis 1 and 2 is like the building of a cosmic temple, but unlike other civilizations at that time, it's not a tiny house. God's temple is all of creation. The cosmos, the entire universe is like a giant temple for the one true God. Because God created everything, it means that creation is sacred. We don't worship creation, but we know that it is good because God said it so. And so when I am walking around and I see an amazing Okanagan view of the wineries and the lake, and a beautiful sunset in the background, my heart sings because I'm walking in God's temple and admiring his construction work. Church, we need a high view of creation. Creation is good. God created and ordered the cosmos and everything we see, everything in existence, everything in the universe is like God's sacred temple. And it points us to worship the God who made everything. 
Well, let's move on from there. Let's look at another window here of creation. And we're going to look at this idea of roles and relationship. Relationship. In creation, the Bible tells us that God makes three fundamental relationships. First, there is our relationship with God because we're made in his image. There's relationship with each other because from the start, humanity is two. It was plural. And there's relationship to the good earth and its creatures because we are set over them. Let's look at a moment at Genesis chapter 1, looking at verse 26 to 28, and then Genesis 2, 15. I'll read it out for you. Genesis 1, it says, uh, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Let's jump ahead and just look at chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Well, there's four Hebrew words here that we really need to pay attention to because these words are used in how we're supposed to relate to creation. And the four Hebrew words are radah, which is that word rule that we see again and again. We're to rule. God tells humans to rule the creatures and rule over the earth. There's the word kabash. Uh, my Hebrew is a little, I'm not sure how to say that actually, but I'm just going to go with it. Uh, and that, that word means subdue. God tells humans to fill the earth and subdue it. There's this word abad, which means till. It's the working in the garden. There's the word shamar, which is the idea of keeping something, like taking care of a garden and having responsibility for it. And so these four words together, they give us an idea of what our role is as humans in God's creation. And the central word here is really this word rule or dominion. And this word is not used a lot in the Hebrew text. So to really understand it, we, we look at other places where this word is used in the Bible. And one example is the word radah is used in Ezekiel 34, verse 4. And it's interesting because in this, in this scripture, God is actually rebuking the leaders of Israel for ruling too harshly. They were not taking care of the flock. They were not taking care of Israel. In fact, they were just profiting for their own good. They cared not for seeking the lost. They cared not for the flock. They cared only for themselves, and they were not reflecting God's heart. God was rebuking them for ruling harshly. And so this word, it speaks to our authority in creation. 
It speaks to our responsibility with creation. It speaks to stewardship. We are under God's authority to carry out his purpose in the world. This is what theologians call the creation mandate. Our role is to look after creation, to take care of creation for the common good and not just our own good. Well, church, we need to pause here for a second and just take a minute for some hard questions and a bit of a personal self-assessment. When it comes to God's creation, do you care about God's creation? In your faith journey, is creation just kind of a side byproduct? Is your faith only spiritual? Is it disembodied from physical existence? You know, our world today, in our Western uh, world, and our Western mindset, we're so um, governed by culture today. And one of the very strong trends in culture today is consumerism. We buy, we use, we throw out, and we buy it again, and then keep going on that cycle. These are trends that we need to be careful of as the church. We need to turn from these things and find ways to care for creation. Uh, at work, I'm a, I'm a manager, and I oversee, I oversee a team of managers at my work, and I'm always looking for good managers, because, man, it is hard to find people that you can trust, uh, and it is hard to find people that are going to do what they say they're going to do, right? Um, and that, that's what we look for at work in good managers. This idea of being a good manager is what God wants to communicate to us in our responsibility with creation. God wants us to be good managers of his creation. He gives us creation to steward, to develop, to enhance, not to destroy. No, instead, God longs for us to cooperate with him and his purposes. We are to reflect God's heart. God cares for the sick, the widow, the orphan, the broken, the outcast. May I dare say that this applies too in how we view creation. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The highest heaven belongs to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. Creation is God's temple, and we're the pinnacle of that creation, and he gives us creation to steward and look after. Our love for creation can reflect our love for the creator. Well, as we go to the next window and look at another angle uh, about creation this morning, I want to just have a little bit of a story. Uh, Stephen Dozinger, it might not be a name that you uh, know, but it's a name I follow on social media. Uh, and Stephen has just served 1,000 days under house arrest. Ouch. Being stuck in your home for that long is trying. And I admire Stephen's determination to get through his house arrest and keep fighting 
his battle. You see, Stephen, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know his full story, but I wouldn't say he's much of a criminal. He's actually a human rights lawyer and an environmental activist. And in the mid-2000s, he successfully launched a very large-scale lawsuit uh, against Chevron. Uh, Stephen's team represented uh, 3,000 indigenous Ecuadorians, uh, and they launched a suit against Chevron for their responsibility of dumping 16 billion barrels of oil into that indigenous land. Uh, in court, Stephen and his team actually won the case, but Chevron refused to pay, uh, and they refused to clean up the land. Instead, they launched a legal attack against the head lawyer, Stephen, and they managed to discredit him, and they managed to get him sentenced to house arrest. Well, it doesn't take long to figure out that something has really gone wrong with the world today. Things are not as they should be. And so window number three that we're going to look at with regards to creation is sin and the effects of sin on creation. You see, our present reality is affected by the consequences of the past. Adam and Eve, the first people, disobeyed God. And this introduced sin into the world. Sin broke those three fundamental relationships with God, with each other, and with creation. Genesis 3, verse 17, just jumping in halfway through that verse, it talks about the effects of sin on creation. It says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it, all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Sin has distorted all things. It has caused this consequence of the curse on creation. And so sin, it affects our relationship to God, and then we're alienated from God because of it. Uh, instead of relating properly to other humans, we hurt and we blame. And instead of taking care of creation, we exploit creation. Evil is in the world and has damaged the world. You know, we don't dump toxic waste in our living room, so why do we do this in God's temple? It's an effect of sin and the fall. And Genesis 3 speaks to that. As we, as we look through the biblical narrative and we look towards the New Testament, we see in the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul just talking about how creation is groaning and waiting for the day of redemption. Biblical faith tells us that God is still involved despite sin. God still cares. God still sustains, sustains us and sustains his creation. The world is still a good place. Creation is still good, even though sin has had an effect. Well, let's look at the, uh, the fourth window here I want to look at this morning, and that's this window of the cross and new creation. 
And one of the famous verses of all of Christianity is John 3.16, right? So John 3.16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now the interesting part of this is the word world. In John 3.16, for God so loved the world, the word there is the cosmos, the entire created order. God loves creation, all of it. God the Father sent God the Son, not just to redeem people, but to redeem all of creation. The life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus restores the broken connections. Through Jesus, we can be connected to God, through Jesus, we can properly relate to each other. Through Jesus, we can rule creation in a God-honoring way. And by faith and repentance in Jesus, the Bible says that we are made new. You know, we're singing that this morning in our worship songs, and what a powerful truth that is to be made new, to be made into the new creation. And God is on a mission to make all things new to restore, to mend. And so as we live the Christian life and as we receive the Holy Spirit, this is just the beginning. It is just the down payment of what is to come. Well, there's a, there's a really good uh, cafe downtown uh, called Amore Mio. And it, I see some heads not, head nods. It's really, really good. If you haven't been there, I recommend it. Uh, and they have amazing Italian gelato there, right? Uh, and every time I go there, I have a hard time deciding which gelato do I want to have, which Italian ice cream do I want to have. Uh, and they, they let you take a sample, right? Um, but I, I always like, want like 10 samples before I can decide, and there's a long lineup. Um, but they give you a little sample of that gelato, and it's like, oh, that is so good. That is so awesome. I want more. In the Christian life, our life in Christ is to be like this. We are transformed when we follow Jesus. We are made new when we accept Jesus into our life and follow him as Lord and Savior. We are to offer the world a sample of the coming restoration. We offer the world a taste of the new creation. And so church, I invite you this morning to join me in being a gelato sample. I, I'm half Italian, so I can get away with that. But God is on this mission to make all things new. And at the cross, it begins and it continues with the Spirit and the outpouring of the Spirit. And it continues until Jesus returns again to restore all things to that final reset order that God is looking for. So this morning, we look through four windows. We look through creation and seeing it as a temple for God. We looked at our role to be responsible managers of creation. We looked at sin and how that's distorted relationships and it distorted our view of creation and creation itself is just waiting for that redemption. And we looked at the cross and the new creation and how Jesus makes all things new and invites us into that to be a sample for the world. So when it comes to creation care, 
Like this is such a, a, a theory topic, right? Like how do we boil this down and make it really personal? How do, we, how do we take a step to live this out this morning as the church? And so I want to suggest a few opportunities for application this morning and viewing creation with a high view. First, we can support creation care initiatives. There are many good initiatives out there. We just need to find someone that align with, with your values or with our values as a church and support these initiatives. There's initiatives to clean plastic out of the ocean, uh, to support after you know, various environmental disasters. These are ways that we can get involved. We can partner with things that God is already doing in the world and be there alongside of it. And in doing that, we offer the world a little taste of that heavenly gelato to come. Another area is, is that we're all given influence. Each one of us has opportunity to influence in your employment, in your building complex, in your strata, in your neighborhood. We all have opportunity to influence. So pray, ask God, God, how can I use my influence to reflect care for your creation? God will give you wisdom in that. Another area is, is lifestyle. Lifestyle. We can reduce our consumption. We don't need to buy everything new. Uh, this last year, my, my family and I started to um, go to the fill store. No endorsements for them, but just any store like that you can use. And you take your containers and get them refilled. And then you don't have to keep buying things and throwing them out. It's a way that you can save, and it's a small impact. But if together we do that, we have a big impact. Recycle. Most products can be recycled. Church, we don't need to strive, but we do need to join God in his redemptive work in all of creation. And so as I kind of wind down this morning and conclude, I'm going to invite the band, the worship team back up. To conclude, the most amazing thing to me about the Bible, there's many, many things, but the Bible begins with two chapters on creation, and it ends with two chapters on the new creation. The human story begins in a garden, and the story ends in a heavenly city. God is restoring all of creation. And one day, Jesus will return to finish this work. And so will you join me in this work? And if you do, you will see how every creature in creation and all of the cosmos is singing praise to the King of Kings, the triune God who sustains all things and the God who is coming again soon. Amen.